Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Direct Xbox. We have a bit of a, a change here in the look of the show, mostly because we listened to the people, and the people said we, we want video, we want a more dynamic-looking podcast in video form. So I went out, made some changes, and here we are. I, I think this is actually going to add quite a bit to the show, and I'm pretty excited to go through uh, today's show because we have some good topics, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun with all these features and stuff. But, of course... I am joined by the co-host of the show, Nate the Hate. Yes, it's almost a relaunch of sorts here for the show with this new branding. And as you said, we have a lot to go over this week. It has been a very exciting week for the world of Xbox. We had a new release this week from Microsoft Internal Studios, and a lot of news came forth this week. So a lot to go over. Yes, yes. So you can, of course, see there, spawncastnetwork.com. If you're catching this early on Patreon, thank you very much for the support and being part of the network. Otherwise, you can check us out there, spawncastnetwork.com or patreon.com slash spawncast. This is Direct Xbox, our show that is dedicated to Microsoft and their Xbox system. You can also catch this on audio podcast platforms and everything as it goes live, of course, with Patreon members and subscribers getting the show early and we also will have bonus shows coming up as we go along where we can answer all of your questions and, and what have you so uh, exciting stuff there but we have as nate mentioned quite a bit tonight to discuss where we will be going over the ftc stuff because it does appear that they are moving in to close we did have some games as nate mentioned forza motorsport is out assassin's creed mirage also out and we had some uh, some stuff to talk about with game pass microsoft in japan hideo kojima so why don't we why don't we start though at the top here nate i did want to at least recognize this because i think this is of course big for FromSoft since they are on this level of we kind of expect this sales figure from them now when they put out their typical Souls games. And that is that Sekiro has crossed the 10 million mark. And Nate told me something that I had to kind of double take at. Nate, you can go ahead and confess. Yes, I have not yet played Sekiro. That's kind of mind blowing to be honest. I mean, 10 million sold. It, it is a it is a very good game. It's a different kind of Souls game. People have said it's more of a rhythm game. I tend to agree. I played through it, beat the boss at the end. The achievement did not pop, and I have not gone back and beat it again. <laughs> Are you because sure you I beat was, it? I yeah. I mean, I saw the credits and everything, uh, and no dice, no achievement. And save. I've been sitting here with. I have the save file right before the boss. I've been sitting there with it. And I'm like, it's the mm. problem is I, I I got away from it. If I go back to it now, the boss will just destroy me. I have to like relearn the game again. So I might do that <laughs> just to get it. But I've been sitting here looking at it since, uh, well, really since it came out because I went through it pretty quick. But I recommend it. I think it's still an awesome game. And uh, maybe it'll, maybe it'll end up in Game Pass, Nate. You can play it then. Yeah, if it comes to Game Pass, I'll definitely give it a look. I am a big fan of FromSoft games. Recently played through Armored Core. It was a fantastic game, probably one of the best games of 2023, and I'm still going through Lies of P. So I'm definitely a fan of those Souls-like games, but Sekiro is just one that I didn't give a look when it originally launched, and if it does come to Game Pass when the ABK Microsoft deal is complete, definitely it will be a day one download for me, and give it a look and see how it is. 
Also, that final boss was really annoying. It took me like 30 tries to beat it. It just, it wasn't clicking with me. There were some bosses I beat in like two or three tries. That final one though, I, the rhythm of it, I don't know. Something was just throwing me off the whole way. So uh, I almost, I, I, it was one of those moments where I actually almost broke a controller because the achievement didn't pop. And I'm like, no one's going to believe that I finally <laughs> beat this thing after not hours, but days of trying. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you have no proof. I know. I, I Maybe I will do it just because I, I am like that, uh, that stubborn gamer who will play through a bad game just to play through it. That seems like something I should go back and resolve then. Uh, but I'm not going to get the thousand, a thousand achievement score. Pl I'm not doing all that with, the I don't typically do that with souls games anyway. I just, I, I get in, I get out. So. Yeah. You really have to be an exceptional souls game or a player to really go for the platinum. I thought about going for the platinum in demon souls. I think I'm just three trophies shy of it. Oh, wow. Okay. But they're kind of the tedious ones where you have to get all the miracles, you have to get all the rings. And I don't want to play through the game three or four times so I have enough of the boss souls to then make into the miracle spell. I was like, I just can't do that. And even with Armored Core, you the game encourages you to replay the game multiple times. And you want to get the S rank on all the different mission types. And as much as I did enjoy the game... I just can't see myself replaying the game three or four times solely for the achievements. It's definitely going to be a game I pick up again in the near future once the upcoming release schedule kind of lightens up. But there's just too many games to play right now for me to replay Armored Core for a third, fourth, or fifth time to see all the missions, get all the different type of, you know, weapons and Armored Cores and such. But yeah, Sekiro... Definitely something I'll give a look once the day comes, if it comes to Game Pass, that is. Okay. Let's shift our attention over to uh, to Japan with Xbox, because, they, of course, we did see Microsoft, Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond. They were in full attendance at Tokyo Game Show. They were meeting with, with different uh, fans there. They were, I'm sure, talking to all kinds of publishers and developers. I'm sure quite a few backroom deals that we didn't hear about as well. But they, they were actually talking about things like big budget Japanese releases from uh, from Microsoft seemingly working to fund some of these projects. And in fact, during an interview, uh, they were asked about Japanese creators being part of Microsoft Game Studios, as Phil Spencer said, of course, referring to Tango Gameworks and saying you can count on it when discussing big budget Japanese games, similar or at least in the same vein of a blue dragon or a lost odyssey you think nate do you do you think we'll actually see that or is this just kind of like marketing speak posturing a bit that kind of thing i think it might be a blend of the two because what his statement was by saying like yeah we're going to see some of those internal japanese games in the vein of blue dragon and lost odyssey will be true because we know they're partnered with hideo kojima we know you have tango gameworks so yes, we will have Japanese developed first party games coming to the Xbox in the future. Now, what does that mean in terms of genre type and prestige? That remains to be seen. We know what Tango can do. They started off the year exceptionally strong with Hi-Fi Rush, and then they brought Ghostwire Tokyo to Xbox a few months later. And now we're eagerly anticipating what their next game will be. And we really don't know much about what Kojima's project is going to be, how it's going to look, how it will play, but it's Hideo Kojima, so you definitely have attention on it and you have that bit of wonder of what can he deliver as an exclusive Xbox game. But beyond that, we're really left in a world of unknown. 
will Microsoft further seek out acquisitions on the Japanese market to bring into first party studios? Or are we strictly talking about these two, you know, studios or the Japanese support for Microsoft? So the statement, while true, I think it is a bit of posturing just to cater to that Japanese audience that they were speaking to, given it was Tokyo Game Show, to say, hey, we are going to make games that cater to your market, while also give, giving the Western audience something to look forward to with, you know, Hideo Kojima. And I would say Tango is pretty well respected now in all markets. But you do have that bit of concern now that Shinji Mikami has the part of the studio and you have to wonder what is the future for the studio in terms of leadership and even direction when it comes to games. Yeah, I wonder if he's, I mean, he's talking about Tango Gameworks specifically as basically a, a studio within Microsoft. And that seemed to be the real question was, hey, you're going out to Square Enix, you're going out to Sega, and you're basically buying their games and putting it on your service. But when does the the actual Microsoft studios, when do they start creating those kind of games? And can you do that? I mean, Phil Spencer saying, yes, we can do that. Can they though? That That's kind of my thing. Would they, would they put those kind of resources in to make that happen? Or would they look to even buy a studio that's native to Japan and bring them on board? I mean, Tango Gameworks kind of just came with Bethesda, right? Mm -hmm. That just sort of was there. It's like, okay, cool. Will they make that kind of a move and go and go do that? Like, I know Mistwalker has changed a bit, but I mean, would they at least partner with them and work on something like a spiritual successor to Lost Odyssey or just a new JRPG or, or something? I, that's my big question. That's kind of the prove it moment there if they would do something like that. Yeah, it's hard to say right now because the Microsoft of today is very different from the Microsoft that was during the Xbox 360 generation that actively sought out those types of Japanese games, Blue Dragon, Lost Odyssey, Ninja Gaiden, and now we're in that Microsoft era where they seem to be more, I don't want to say risk adverse, but they want to cater to a very specific audience, though they are trying to expand, especially with the Japanese audience. And that's where you have Sega, Atlas, Square Enix, all those deals being made to say, we do have the games that cater to you and we're willing to go out and spend to make this a reality. But there's a huge gulf of difference between going to Sega or Square Enix and making a Game Pass deal versus investing hundreds of millions of dollars into actively developing a game exclusively for your platform or you know contracting a studio like Mistwalker or even Bandai Namco and securing a Tales of game as an exclusive because they did that during the 360 generation as well with Tales of Vesperia and they also had Eternal Sonata as a exclusive oh, for quite what about some Infinite time. Undiscovery yeah. They were on fire in that early 360 <laughs> generation. <laughs> yeah, they were a very ambitious company at that time because they knew they needed that worldwide audience and they were willing to spend. Now with Game Pass as their, you know, pretty much their focus, maybe they return to that thought where they say, we have to invest as heavily as we can to really reach that worldwide audience. So if they could contract a company like a Mistwalker again and secure a meaningful exclusive from them, it would do wonders for the Xbox name and really put their brand in, you know, the minds of the Japanese audience as well as Western gamers who cater to those style of games because Japanese RPGs and 
really any Japanese developed game definitely gets a lot of attention in the Western markets, sometimes more so than in native Japan. I'm sure Microsoft is looking at this and having those types of conversations. It's just a question of if they're having the conversations now in the second half of 2023, when would this really bear fruit? At the end of the generation? Could this <laughs> yeah, be probably. them sowing the seeds for the coming generation where they could have stronger support? Because right now, they've definitely made advances. Having Persona on the Xbox is nothing short of miraculous. And you've seen virtually every Yakuza or Like a Dragon game come to the Xbox or Game Pass. And that's where Microsoft is really making advancements and bettering their relationship with prominent Japanese companies. I think they could go out maybe even just grab something really quick like Fantasian that would kind of give them a leg up a bit because it's not on other systems, but they do need to start working out some stuff more in-house, I would say, if they really want to get serious. But Tango Gameworks, I'm sure, has something going right now. It, I feel like Microsoft, after seeing Hi-Fi Rush, asked the moment where you back up the truck. So I'd like to think that they did that. And uh, you're right, we'll see at the end of the generation at this rate how long it takes to make a game nowadays. <laughs> but yeah. I I would like to see them take another shot with Mistwalker, even as a partnership thing, just to see if they can, like, they can produce something. I mean, close to... Lost Odyssey was really cool, but it went under the radar. But if they produce something unique like that, then maybe they work to bring them in and actually buy them, like acquire them. Because uh, Mistwalker, I'm <laughs> sure, is a studio that's pretty consistently living on the edge <laughs> so they would probably be yeah. psyched to be comfortable in terms of financials and the ability to be more creative in general with providing for game pass yeah knowing how microsoft is very hands-off company when it comes to the studios they acquire that could be a good fit for a company like mistwalker if they are looking to be you know actually acquired and now with the news with platinum games and uh hideki mm. kamiya parting you have to wonder, will Microsoft go to Kamiya and potentially offer a contract to give him a studio or even just bring him in? Because there is a little friction with their relationship going back to Scalebound, so maybe it is an impossibility. But you have to kind of wonder if there is at least a conversation being had between the two parties, because Kamiya is a name. He is a talented individual. He has directed some of the most iconic games in gaming, and Microsoft is looking to expand in the Japanese market. So if the two could come together, that could potentially be a power play for Microsoft, but it is a high risk, high reward type scenario. You could bring him on and he may never produce anything of note. And you can look at other iconic Japanese developers. You could look at Yuji Naka, who really hasn't done much since Sonic. You have the individual from Ninja Gaiden. You made a... Tr duo of fantastic games went on and created Devil's Third. So will Kamiya continue to produce quality or is he really just a name you would bring on for recognition and then kind of have that back fear of maybe his better days are behind them? Is the door open for Scalebound then if they bring Kamiya in in-house and it isn't like, oh, we're going to we're going to contract this out to you and we'll see you in three years and check up on you. If they brought him in-house own like basically own internal studio he ran and everything do you do you think scalebound could come back i mean I, 
<laughs> that would be crazy it, if this is the path to that happening is Kamiya and Platinum yeah. falling out and he shows up and is like, let's do it. Like, let's go. I want to make that game. I'm going to show, it. I'm going to show them what they're missing out on and you guys can make it a reality. You it's unique. I mean, it'd be let's a unique go. game for Game Pass at the very least. They funded worse. <laughs> they have. I mean, that's true, but it's definitely an interesting time to watch Microsoft in Japan. As said, they've made great strides already this generation. So if they continue to go this path and they're seeing their investment pay dividends, it only means it's going to get stronger as things go on. And Kamiya could be that power play. That, but... That's a free. That's a freebie for a one more thing at the end of like E3 when they're closing mm -hmm. up. We got one more thing to show and they're going through it. And people are like, is, is this is this? And it's like a director or producer coming from Hideki Kamiya flashed on screen that. That would get people talking at the very least. Oh, yeah, it would get people a lot of talking. I mean, picture that type of June showcase. If you had Persona 6 show up, you have Kojima show off his game, and then you end with directed by Hideki Kamiya. People yeah. would be sitting there saying, whoa, what is Microsoft up to? And that would generate a lot of excitement, maybe a little too late into the generation, but it gives you hope of what could be mm -hmm. in the coming future. Absolutely. I do want to I do want to ask Nate, this is just a fun question that I always see posed and brought up. And it was something we kind of discussed a little bit with the controller that Microsoft is allegedly working on internally. And that is, do we use double A batteries or a play and charge kit, rechargeable batteries even for Xbox controllers? Because <laughs> it's still the last it's the last holdout with these double A batteries. Uh -huh. This is it. The Xbox. Control. And it might be done soon with that revision that we saw. No, I use rechargeable AA batteries. Okay. okay. I like having that option available to me. It is far superior than what Sony and Nintendo offer because if that battery ever swells or anything, you're kind of stuck. This way I have full control over how I, you know, power my controller. So the, I think that's a smart way for Microsoft. The Pro controller isn't too bad to get to the battery. The Joy-Con is, I will admit. That's not something people want to do. Mm. You can strip the screws really easily and all of this. But uh, I have a I have a nice dock here for my controllers for the Xbox. Got a nice spot here. It just it has like pins on the back that contact and you just drop it on there and that's it. And it just charges it. Haven't had to think about changing batteries in my controller for years now. That's the move right there. I don't even know. I don't know who made this. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't have an obvious branding on it now that I'm looking at it. But I think I got it off Amazon for like 20 bucks. So well, that's I, a pretty good price. I've always had, you know, what's funny is I've always had a play and charge kit for the Xbox. Going back to the Xbox 360, the ones where we plug them mm -hmm. in at the top and you had like the big bulky batteries. Yep. Always had it. Always. And those batteries were terrible. They would constantly need to be replaced. Uh, so that's just, it, that's how it was. I just, I never really used double A's like that. So I, in fact, when I open up a new controller, if you bought a new one and it came with double A's, I would just throw them in a drawer still packaged in like the plastic. That's, so. that's a good 35 hours of free gaming right there. I'm ready for them to get rid of it. Although if they go the route they're talking about, that's still the best way because people can use it. Uh, funny enough, that's what 8-Bit Doe has been doing this whole time. They're finally, they're all finally catching up to 8-Bit Doe. So there you go. Well, I like hey, let, it, let us know in the comments, team team double A or or team uh, rechargeable play in <laughs> play in charge play in charge. <laughs> hey, as long as we have the best of both worlds, I think that's a win. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's I, the, just the controller that they are producing. I think looks looks pretty cool. I'd rather I'd, I'd actually rather have that right now than the revised Xbox Series X and S. I I want that controller. It looks nice. 
let's uh, let's move over to Microsoft expecting to close the Activision Blizzard deal. And this this news actually broke right at the end of this week, where apparently things are going smoothly with the CMA. They're looking to get this. They got like the pre-approval from them, which to me basically was them signaling, hey, go ahead and start getting all your stuff in order, signed, dotted, because we're, we're going to approve this thing. And you know, as soon as that comes through, Microsoft's closing this thing. And apparently the 13th is what the latest report is pointing towards. So I'm curious, Nate, what do you think the following month looks like after that deal closes? Well, one, thank God it's finally over. Yeah, because although has... the FTC apparently is going to try to break this thing uh, up. I don't, I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's a waste of their time and money. Well, taxpayers' <laughs> money, their time. Um, but they're going to try. I just, I, I think it's very difficult to rip Activision Blizzard away from Microsoft after it's been approved basically globally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this has been a talking point for such a long period of time now that it really just became mundane and repetitive. But finally, light at the end of the tunnel. As for what we're looking at in, you know, the month or so immediately following this acquisition being made official, you know, there could be a lot of changes. You will likely see within that first four to eight weeks, Activision games being added to the Game Pass backlog. Is where it one maybe, massive drop? I would say the if I were them, I'd want to give it a little bit of breathing room where I would do a significant drop at the you know the first half of the month, maybe another one at the second half, and then another one in the following month. Kind of space things out. But I would go through that legacy of Call of Duty titles. Go back as far as you can and add those games to Game Pass. So if you can do Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops, World at War, all the titles that recently saw a resurgence on the Xbox most played list and even the sales charts, throw those on Game Pass, get some of the Crash Bandicoot games, Tony Hawk games, the back catalog of Activision titles that are already in the backwards compatibility support system is quite vast. but. I would expect to see the majority of those games added to Game Pass likely within the first three to four months once the acquisition is final. And that can be quite the momentum builder for Microsoft. Oh, when yeah. You can say we have all of these Call of Duty titles in our catalog now available on Game Pass. That's going to lure some people to your ecosystem and that service where they'll be willing to subscribe just to play those games again because maybe they no longer own them. They've moved on, but you have that bit of nostalgia. What's the first game you're firing up? Ones. Let me know. What's the first game you're firing up? What's the first game the people in the comments are firing up? Activision Blizzard. The games are in Game Pass tomorrow. <laughs> Sucker-o. <laughs> That's an easy answer. <laughs> you know what I would load up? I thought about this. I would go check out the original prototype. It's been a while since I played it. I wow. would just be curious. I, wow. I, I, I'm like, you know, I haven't played that game. At all. I have fond memories of it, and I'm prepared to ruin all of them. So I, I want to go back and just see if it's <laughs> aged at all, like, like well or what. What's going on here? So yeah, I'd fire up prototype. It's funny enough, they'd put on all these Call of Duty games, and I would immediately just start looking around at some of the other stuff because I... I mean, the Call of Duty games, they, they all feel very similar. And we played Modern Warfare. Which one did we play? We played Modern Warfare Two. 1. 
No, two. Was it? No, two. it was Black Ops, but it was Black Ops 1 and Modern That's Warfare right. 2. And World no, War. it was Black Ops and World at War. See, they're all blended together. No, uh, yeah, it was Black Ops and World at War. Those yeah, were the two had dismemberment. That Sean really wanted that for some reason. Yeah, it's he like, really I, wanted I just, to see the guy's leg get blown it's off. It's like, then let's go play Brothers in Arms. It's, like, no. Uh, yeah, see? <laughs> see? <laughs> yeah, but I, you can go back to the more single-player focused Call of Duties, like Call of Duty 2. Yeah, Call of Duty 2 was... That was I, I feel like that was good because the Xbox Whoa. 360 came out when it dropped, and the game looked yeah. crazy. Now you go back and look at it. The game still looks crazy, just not in a good way. <laughs> but it's, it was, a good, it's a good campaign. I, I, just, I just remember... They had the kiosk at FYE. We'd go by there after school because uh, <laughs> one of the one of my friends had a car and stuff. We'd drive by. It was at the mall. We'd drive by, and you'd pick up the controller, which the 360 controller was still new to us. And it's going to sound really weird to some of the younger kids. The, it was wireless, and that was mind-blowing <laughs> because we were so used to having cords with our controllers for the GameCube and the PS2 and the Xbox, right? You had, like, those terrible logitech ones where you had to have something plugged into oh, this yeah yeah but like the 360 <laughs> controller felt futuristic and then you know what you do you go up there you get the controller for call of duty 2 and you throw a smoke grenade and everyone would just be like this hey, is cool. this looks amazing there's smoke flowing from it yeah that smoke <laughs> that smoke effect was pretty advanced back then and i mean when you look at the 360 launch in retrospect Call of Duty 2 was one of the highlights. You still had Dead or Alive. You had Project Gotham. You had Quake 4. Yeah. Which is not on console backwards compatibility or Game Pass, but it is on PC Game Pass. So there's technically nothing preventing it from coming to Xbox now because all the licensees are under Microsoft control. Well, hold on. Does Microsoft fire up their backwards compatible team again? If I'm Microsoft and I can... I guess reallocate the resources back to the team. I would because oh, wow, okay. how many games now are no longer under any, you know, legal issue? Could you technically yeah. bring some of those Project Gotham games to, you know, backwards compatibility now? Because remember, they sold the studio to Activision. Oh, that is weird. That's right. Oh, that's a strange. You feel like there is a lot they could do. I almost wonder if the team is then working on honestly just working on the next like their next path their path forward for the next system or setup or something at this yeah. point you know so. and that's the thing they have likely moved on but you have to wonder if this does per you know present any new possibilities and if it does you as microsoft have to take a look at it and say okay this may be worth our time to reinvest and bring these games to the services backwards compatibility because they're going to come into possession to a lot of ip and I guess you have to look at how many of them aren't currently available on backwards compatibility, like a Quake 4. But if sure. you can make it a reality, do it, and then you include it in Game Pass, all of a sudden, I mean, overnight, you could, in theory, add hundreds of games to Game Pass. Yeah, I feel like they get all that, as much of that as they can done just ahead of the mm -hmm. holidays and advertise it. I think that'd be big for them. So, yeah, I, I it's mean, it's going to be interesting. And you have such an week. easy marketing tagline of just every Call of Duty available yeah. right now on game pass yeah that is pretty easy <laughs> just say hey look at that's all these it. call of duty games they're all here it's it's the home of call of duty that, that's it yeah you just do a quick sizzle reel trailer showing each one dating back to call of duty 2 and just boom boom. it's boom, the home boom. of diablo yeah diablo, diablo 2 
It's the home of Overwatch maps. 2. Okay, maybe you don't put Overwatch 2 up there. Yeah, we can forget about that <laughs> you one. Just push that one off to the side. <laughs> you subscribe but, and we won't tell you about Overwatch 2. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff they can include on that service. I mean, Bethesda, when they added the Bethesda games, that was a big deal. But Activision is going to dwarf that. I should have looked up the original prototype trailer. Some of these old trailers I'm finding are like extra crunchy. Well, I mean, it was a different era of gaming. <laughs> it really was. Marketing it's, was a little more edge. All of them are like on IGN. They're all like 12 years old. It's crazy <laughs> to look at. Oh, here it is. This is the... Some is didn't the, age what that well. What, what? It's in seven... Oh my gosh. It, oh, okay, maybe the, this might not go how i'm hope, how i'm like picturing in my mind like looking at this i don't know we'll we'll see i this I like looked I good back now, in the day it did it did i just remember when you would shoot all like the tentacles around you like it just explode and just hit everyone all at once that was really cool well oh man wow this is <laughs> this is crusty <laughs> Look at this. Hey, I'm, da I'm downloading it day one. <laughs> Look at the movement of the character. Why is it so stiff? Day one. <laughs> Are you sure? You know, I think you had some people saying, oh, yeah, I'd like to do that day one. Now they're watching this footage. They're like, never mind. Oh, what was that? Why would you put that in the trailer? <laughs> what That's happened that. to that poor guy? Why did he just get completely plastered against the wall? <laughs> All right, Nate, why don't you tell us about your wow. Starfield wrap? You Xbox, Microsoft sent one over to you to try out. You've had some time with it. You've reviewed it. What are your yes. thoughts on it? It's a, it's a nice little product. I mean, well-designed, has a lot of nice detail in it. Um, yes, as you can see, that's the front of the wrap. Mm -hmm. There it is. There's the front. There's the front. That has a nice little touches on it. Shows you where to put the disc. That is the left side of it. It has um but, interesting. Hold on, what's that? You got fan power and disc. That's right. Oh, it like tells you. It tells you the specifications slide. of the Xbox oh. Series X. That's interesting. And that's a fun touch. On the other side, it will list the SOC details. So it lists the oh, up right here is. in the bottom. It shows the RAM. The how many teraflops it has. Seven nanometer enhanced process. Wow. Yeah, all those little details. And yeah, ultimately, it doesn't mean all that much to an individual, but it's nice to see that they went to that level of detail to really flesh it out. How's the fit? It fits very well. It doesn't hug it tight enough that if you were to pick up your Xbox mm -hmm. with the wrap on, you have to make sure you have a firm grip on the console itself Ooh. as well otherwise it will slide, slide down through the wrap so make sure you have a good grasp on it and don't just try to hold the wrap and move your system because the system will fall the inside is felt is that the idea uh, it's not quite felt it was a little it's similar texture but it was a little more firm than felt okay okay i'm, I'm so, what i'm picturing is the Microsoft, like the Surface books, they have like the, the mm -hmm. thing that goes over it, like the cover, and it's like basically feels almost cloth-like, microfiber-like sort of. Yeah, uh, I'm picturing that. I don't know if that's the exact term for it, but that that's sort of what I'm I'm envisioning in my mind. It's odd that they wouldn't have added any kind of rubber stopper to the 
to the inside part, just like strips of it or something so that the Xbox doesn't slip through. <laughs> yeah, that was a little surprising to me because I, I kind of thought that would have been the case. But I guess they figure it's mostly just cosmetic. You're not mm -hmm. going to be physically moving the system with the wrap on. And the wrap is very easy to take off. I mean, it is just Velcro on the back. But, I mean, overall, I think it's a nice little product, especially for collectors or just individuals who are looking to change up the design of their Xbox. It's very visually pleasing. And, I mean, overall, really no issues with it. Does it do a nice um, job, like give, giving the illusion that it's a it's part of the system, or can you kind of look at it and be like, okay, no, that's somebody just stuck this to my system? From afar, you would think that it is a case, okay, like it's its own unique system, because it is a close enough fit that you wouldn't be able to tell from a distance. Now, if you get up close, and if you know if you don't have it properly aligned in some way, maybe that would disrupt the illusion. But otherwise, no, I, if you told me right on screen that that was a Starfield Xbox Series X, I'd believe you. Okay. Okay. It's, uh, what was the, what was the price on this guy now? Isn't it like, I don't want to misquote it. I think it was like $50 or so, 55. I think it, yeah, I believe it was in the area of, it might, it might have been 45 or $50. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's going to be more in line with if, if you're really into the game, people are spending some pretty big money on like the special editions and stuff You can kind of mm -hmm. decide there. I mean, there's going to be a game I'm sure that eventually shows up with one of these covers and even I'm going to be like, man, I, I need to get that. So like if Halo makes a massive return and they come out with a really cool looking Halo cover, then I'll, I'll, <laughs> I mean, I'll probably be on it, especially if it kind of pays like homage to the, like the green, do you remember the army green? xbox 360 that they did but like the yeah. orange stripe for the yep. disc that might get me in i mean all right you know what? i'll have to get the master chief cover then but <laughs> people need to start talking about halo infinite again to get to that point i mean so. it's coming up a little bit more i can't get anyone else to play it i'm the only one who's ever on there well it's lonely on bad there. timing yeah i know i, I mean know. there's the a lot issue. of games hitting right now yes yes there are <laughs> Uh, you know what? Speaking of games hitting, Game Pass had quite a few games added, which we'll go over some of the, the ones that were actually just announced this past week. But Gotham Knights did go into Game Pass, and I felt inclined to at least ask if you tried it, Nate. Was Game Pass enough to make you go, you know what? I'll hit download on this. Yes, I did download it. I played it for about two hours, and I'm done with it. <laughs> I, uh, I figured that would happen. At least, you know what? At least you tried it. Sean also tried it, and then he got really mad that we, I told him to download. Although I think it was more of a Wii <laughs> thing. He said it was just me. I feel like it was a Wii thing. It wasn't just me. Um, but, yeah. It's, it, I can yeah. see what the game is trying to do. I think there's a good idea there. They just didn't get to it with proper execution. The bat bike is not fun to ride. You do wheelies on it. Yeah, that was about ramp. the only cool thing you could do. And well, it's just not that fun to ride. The combat has absolutely no impact. The AI was really non-existent. It, I just don't see... It's a significant downgrade from going from the Arkham trilogy to this. Yeah, no, I would agree on that. Absolutely is. It, I, I don't know if this... Did this start as something other than this... Like, what? I, I don't know. The this weird deep RPG, almost like a mobile phone kind of game progression stuff. 
or did they have something else in mind and halfway through they're like, we got to change this? Because it does not feel like something I would have expected them to produce. No. I mean, there's so many little issues that really detract from the overall experience. And even the UI with the HUD, there's so much stuff that it's trying to direct you towards. And it's just not very engaging. And when the combat isn't that fun, there's just very little reason to stay invested in it. And even when I was doing some of the detective scenarios, why do I have to hold down the button to keep the AR scanner on? Why can't I just hit it, enable it, do my search, and then hit it again to deactivate it? Why do I have to hold it down and then move? Everything about the controls just feel as though it's fighting against itself. And maybe it's a nitpick, but it, even the character flow and movement, it didn't feel very fluid. There was a sequence where I was trying to move behind an enemy to stealth attack him, and it felt as though my character was moving in a box. And I was getting closer to the character than I was directing because he kept moving. And it, my controller wasn't drifting or anything. He was just taking these extra steps. So, I mean, maybe it's more fun in co-op if you decide to play it. But really, it just feels like one of those games that it's fundamentally flawed. That even playing with friends, it's not going to address those issues. You just have more fun playing it because you're probably talking. You're, you know, you're bullshitting with each other while playing the game. And that's what makes it fun more than the game itself it is an enjoyable experience. You gotta find people who play it. That's the other problem. That's not easy. <laughs> uh, oh. I, I don't know. That's unfortunate. Well, good news though. The next game from the Batman universe we have to look forward to is Suicide Squad. So, you know, the good news I get. It can't be worse <laughs> than Gotham Knights. I don't. I mean, I don't think. Although, who knows? <laughs> I mean, we'll see. It can't. That's the thing. Like, I don't think Gotham Knights is an outright terrible game. Like, I think there's something there that could be enjoyed. They just didn't go the proper path to make that a more realistic reality. And it's a shame because a co-op Batman game with this cast of characters should have been phenomenal. And I don't know if they just tried to do something more ambitious than was necessary or they really had no vision for what they were doing and that's why we ended up with this mediocre product but i mean it's on game pass if you have an interest give try it the it download out. try it out you'll probably quit after the first hour or two or maybe the game will resonate with you and you'll find an enjoyable little game there for me it just did not click and I wanted to go into it and hopefully enjoy it because I haven't played a Batman game in a while, but no, I just could not see myself playing this game, especially not now with so many other releases available this week and coming in the next few weeks. Hey, at least you gave it a shot. There you go. We did have some other games, though, that were announced for uh, Xbox Game Pass with timing and what have you. So let's uh, let's go let's go through some of the the games that were announced warhammer 40k dark tide that is already out and i downloaded it might check that one out we'll see forza motorsport of course is out october 10th it's currently in like that early access period where you pay a little extra to get in we have from space on october 12th and then like a dragon ishin is october 17th that's kind of exciting because we just had that kind of announced at tokyo game show and it's less than a month from when they announced it there so that that's one I would recommend people checking out just because it's like a dragon. It, it's a very different. I mean, you're, people are seeing some of the stuff now. It is ridiculous. 
but it's also very different. And I'm sure it's a, a game that a lot of people have well, kind of a game that people just have not experienced before. It's very unique. So uh, any of these pique your interest, Nate. I will be playing like a dragon when it comes out in, I believe, what is it? 10 days? Uh, yeah, 10 days. Yep. Yep. So I'll be playing that and I'll probably be the only. You're not going to try. Well, no, you're going to try Dark Tide with us, right? Still have to download it, but yeah, I'll give it a try. It's 53 gigabytes. That's not too bad. Yeah, it could be worse. It's funny we say that now with these with these games, the the yeah. sizes of them. Ah, what well, is fifty three gigabytes? Who cares? Give that yeah, a five five years ago it was how big is it? Sixty gigs. Like, oh my god. Yep. Now it's I'm not like, downloading oh, that. That's nothing. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be ready in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not and that's just the first the start of October. It is listed in the URL as Wave One. So I'm expecting some other announcements probably in the next two weeks leading up to, well, probably leading up to Like a Dragon Ishin, they'll remind people and then they'll also drop like the next two weeks worth of uh, different games. So, and I do know, we, of course, we're coming up on something like Persona 5 uh, Tactica. That's going to be part of it. So it's uh, Game Pass keeps on rolling, keeps on rolling. Speaking of... A Game Pass game, or a game that I think is a is definitely fitting into the Game Pass ecosystem right now is one that might see a bit of a revival. Redfall, it got its 60 FPS update finally. Hey, I, it's not that I'm bad. Actually, Six months. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, no, no, hold on. it was um, was it was like five months, right? Hold on, that's even What's better. It? Is I it? Just, I mean, that's something like, that should have been there at the start <laughs> because they also added some other stuff when it comes to uh, enemy density. Uh, stealth takedowns, seemingly a lot of fixes to try to make the game just presentable <laughs> in the first place. We played through that entire game at 30 FPS on the Xbox. We did. And now it's 60. And uh, that's a game that really needed it. A first person shooter like that. I. It took them a while. They got it done, though. And it's in Game Pass. So people who maybe passed <laughs> on it a bit. You know what? You can jump in now and try it out. I mm -hmm. don't know if the game is going to be that much better, but it should control a lot better. Yeah, I've seen some impressions online saying that the AI has been tweaked a bit, and it seems as though there are certain areas that have more enemies, so encounters could potentially be a little tougher. And I think my big question with this is, if it took you five months to modify the AI change enemy placement a bit, I mean, maybe add more vampires to an area and make it 60 FPS and you hit it in October. Why not just delay the game those five months and have your vampire hunter game come out during the Halloween season? That's exactly because, what I was thinking. This, this should have been the release day for it or release date. Yeah, because releasing it back in May, a time of year that you're not really thinking of, you know, vampires and ghouls and ghosts always felt as though it was kind of that misfire just hold it for this time of year and to see them get the 60 fps patch out in october just really screams you should have delayed the game five months and i get the conversation had that happened would have been xbox is doomed what is bethesda doing what's wrong with redfall but you would have been able to launch with a much better product and maybe those review scores likely still would have been low. Maybe, but maybe they would have came in a point, a point and a half higher than what they ended up being. Because as you said, we did play through Redfall. And I believe the Metacritic score for it is what in the 
it's not good. Mid to low sixties. It's not good. Yeah. I, mean, I think I would have given the game maybe a low seven. It wasn't a horrendous experience to go through. There was some. Would you have played through cool it by ideas. yourself? No, because I don't think the game was really. And it didn't feel like it was designed to play in solo. No, which is uh, still an odd decision. I mean, even if you add an hmm. AI companions in there, you still wouldn't have played through it. Like if they had three AI that would run around with oh. you doing their their class, you know, abilities and whatnot to try to back you up. I think I would have tried that had that been an option, especially if I could have called on the AI to maybe do their special attack or do something unique. Mm-hmm. I think I would have tried it there. Like I had played the game in solo for that first maybe 30, 45 minutes. It just didn't feel really engaging to play it that way. At least in co-op, it did feel a little more engaging in a way. You felt as though you were going through a world. You didn't have to worry about being swarmed by a huge horde because you had other players taking care of things. But yeah, I think overall they could have used these five to six months and they would have been able to launch a stronger game still would have been middling in reviews, but I think the reception would have been better than what we ended up having back in May in terms of conversation and discourse around the game. Now, I think this patch will bring in a slight bit of new interest because people back then did say, I'm not playing the game until it gets a 60 FPS patch. And even as recent as this week, people were asking, where's the patch? Is it even going to happen? With some questioning whether or <laughs> that not IGN article was terrible timing. <laughs> it was and, and like people were questioning if the patch would even come in. And here it was out of the blue, unexpected. And we know they still have DLC coming to the game. So if, it seems as though that commitment to stay with the game is true. And they're going to continue to refine the game, give it new content and Maybe that ten-year plan isn't as crazy as it originally sounded. It sounds. It still sounds crazy. I mean, it, like you got to move on from this game. I'm sorry. It, they got the 60 FPS patch out. They they promised that. They have DLC that they mm-hmm. promised. I think once you fulfill those promises, I feel like you move on. I mean, some of those stories we were hearing, it just like it didn't right. seem like they were that invested. Like the develop. Once you hear about the developers not really being invested or passionate about their project uh, at that point yeah. there's a, a, a more serious issue than just the game not being very good it's just you, <laughs> how do you expect it to get any better if the people who were there working on it didn't even really care as much about it i don't know it's yeah it seems like a bat it seems like something you just you cut the ties with it you start <laughs> over and you get something ready now for the end of the generation right to then push into the next gen mm-hmm. i don't know that's yeah i mean that could be the direction they go with. I don't think we're going to see a Cyberpunk 2077 type revival here unless the development team is now passionate about Redfall and they say, hey, we can make a huge standalone expansion similar to what CD Projekt Red just did with Cyberpunk where mm-hmm. it's set in the Redfall universe and maybe it's a new island or it's part of Cape Cod or whatever in Massachusetts and we get a really fleshed out experience and people say, wow, Redfall can now become a valuable ip to microsoft and bethesda but barring anything like that we probably do see a limited amount of support for the game over the next 12 months before it is sunset and vampires take control it could just still be in game pass that i mean someone might find it five or six years from now and enjoy it have a good time after the updates and the dlc comes out and that's to me it's just another thing to put in the game pass for content mm-hmm. it's not going to go away it's first party so I think yeah, you can I mean, leave it there and you're good. 
Yeah, and if you can continue to refine it with some smaller patches and stuff, someone discovers the game in a year and says, hey, this really wasn't that bad. I will be interested in whether or not we see a significant player increase, be it on it, Steam it, it or the Xbox. It quadrupled from wow. 3 to 12. Well... They there was that that was the story that was being run was that uh, actually no I think it like went up by like ten times or something to thirty or so that was the story that was being run is that not enough people were playing Redfall to fill a four player party on Steam so oh that's unfortunate well like I said it's up to uh, thirty or forty now so they they ten xed it there you go big <laughs> big stuff over there there is there is one thing though Nate that. Uh, we just talked about the backwards compatibility stuff, you know, them firing up the backwards compatibility team again. I think there's something else they need to fire up the backwards compatibility team for because Red Dead Redemption is 60 FPS on the PlayStation 5. And this is working apparently through the, you know, PS4 backwards compatibility because it is, I believe, 60 on PS4 Pro, if I'm not mistaken. Mistaken, MVG did mention that. So the PS5 version appears to be the best one right now for the Red Dead Redemption remaster. And I will say the the studio behind that, they specifically ported, right, for the Switch and the PlayStation. They didn't have to touch the Xbox version. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's right. The, yeah. And yeah, the reason that, that it was believed that they only did Switch and PS4 was because you can't play the PS3 version via backwards compatibility on a PlayStation 4 or the PS5. So that type of release made sense. You were bringing it to modern platforms that had no other had no other means of being able to play the original Red Dead Redemption. But now with the 60 FPS patch, it definitely brings up that question of what's going to happen with the Xbox version. Because there's no reason now to leave the Xbox version out in the lurch and being inferior to the PlayStation 4 version. And if it is you kind of have to wonder the motivations behind making that decision because it felt as though they had capped it at 30 FPS to allow parity across all three platforms. And now that's no longer the case. Well, Microsoft does have access to FPS boost. I I feel like that would be the backwards compatibility team or engineers who would do that. This seems like the time to go back and do it and be like, you know what, we are going to add that. And even though they haven't this whole time when they, I feel like they could have because it's been sitting at 4K, uh, but stuck at 30 frames. This uh-huh. I think is the time to enable that that little toggle in the in the options to just tick that over. Okay, now we're at 60. We're good because uh, it it does seem like an odd situation, and that's just because the studio who ported it they worked on the PlayStation version, they worked on the Switch version, and the Xbox version uh-huh. didn't have to do much to because it was just sitting there backwards compatible. So they saw an yeah. opportunity and took it. I mean, that, that might be something good even for their portfolio going forward. Hey, we got, we got this game at 60 on these systems. Hire us. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely begs the question, though, what's going to happen with the Xbox version? I would say logic would probably dictate that nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I, I thought about that, too. It's like, well, hey, it's backwards compatible. Yeah. It, might even be ch- it might even be cheaper because the online still works on the Xbox Series version. That's the only one it works on. So you got more content for a cheaper price, but inferior frame performance. Yeah, I I would like that. The 60 frames is Hmm. significant to me anyway for a game like that. And I still can't believe Red Dead Redemption 2 is 30 frames on the Xbox series and the PS5. Even (laughs) Microsoft is shocked because of those leaked documents. They thought there was a next-gen version. So it's not just me or anyone else out there who are caught (laughs) off guard by this. Microsoft themselves were as well. So, 
This is definitely an interesting thing to see how it plays out because there's going to be questions. Questions are going to go to Microsoft. They're going to go to Rockstar and take two of what's happening here. And I'm going to I'm going to be curious to see which which of the three have an answer because if you're Rockstar, you probably default to well, that's just a backwards compatible version. We didn't release a native version, and then you say, well, you have to feel. Microsoft has to field your questions. Microsoft is going to say, what? Who knows? <laughs> like, I, I don't know if there's a good answer they could give there. Ideally, yeah, they go back to the backwards compatibility team and they enable FPS boost. boost. Because You kind of have to wonder whether or not there was conversations about that release and Microsoft. And if the idea was we are going to patch in 60 FPS on the PlayStation version eventually, that certainly that would have been something Microsoft would have had interest in when it came to the backwards compatible version on the Xbox Series X of the original release, because I don't see them wanting to pass that up and being able to flaunt and market that type of feature on that platform as well, because now essentially Sony has exclusively the best running version of Red Dead Redemption 1. Well, what if we get a 60 FPS patch for the Switch? Then I'm, if I'm Microsoft, I'm going up to <laughs> Rockstar and Take Two saying, you're making a native version of this for our platform as soon oh, as possible. Man. And come on, like, why did you not do this for us originally? That because, would be I mean, wild. <laughs> that would be wild. And that's why when the original release happened, the idea of parity made a lot of sense to keep it at 30 FPS, but now parity is out the window. So you really have to question a lot of these intentions and motivations behind the release. And why is Microsoft now out all alone in the rain? Uh, I'm hoping we just, that was a random out of nowhere announcement. So it's possible we could get something very similar for the Xbox. Um, I FPS boost. Hey, we've worked with them. We figured it out. You just toggle it on. You're going to go today. So uh -huh. what I'm hoping to see. So I'm hoping to see. So we are also looking forward as we'd mentioned some of the, the support from Microsoft in Japan, a certain game that has been announced somewhat. I mean, it's just basically like, Hey, we're doing this Hideo Kojima his Xbox game that was announced during that was that during that E3 from Microsoft where he just kind of showed up in a video feed and just yes. said, yes, I'm working on it. It's something mm -hmm. I have wanted to do for a while. The word was he had partnered with Google to make it for Stadia. Stadia is gone now. So he just we went to the next, I guess, the next place would be Microsoft because it's going to leverage the power of the cloud. Phil Spencer was asked, though, that was another part of that interview with the Lost Odyssey Blue Dragon talk. And he basically said... He's working on it. We will put him in the spotlight when he's ready to talk about it. And part of this, Nate, I've wondered, is this going to be such a weird game that they don't want to necessarily want to talk about it until they can actually show it? Like, sit down, maybe even play a bit of it. Like, I feel like Kojima is going to do something really weird here with, with their cloud servers. Yeah, I think it's a game that you really have to show up and illustrate exactly what the game is doing and what its ambitions are. I don't think you can really walk out with this type of title and do a Death Stranding style marketing of what is it? How are we playing? What are we, what exactly is happening with this game? It worked well for Death Stranding, but I don't think you can repeat it here. You have to have a clear vision of what this title is, how it's using the cloud, how the player is going to be you know interacted with and if that concept of being able to send emails to the real world you from the game is indeed something that he's still going to utilize you have to explain 
all of these features and why they're so essential to the gameplay experience. And when it comes to Kojima, you just expect some wild things. So you really have to drive home the concept of the game in that first trailer and the first reveal. And maybe you do a little bit of a dev diary where Kojima can explain some of the things that we're seeing in the trailer following it. So that way it really allows it to be elevated into becoming that must have title from Kojima for the Xbox. Because if we're left with a lot of questions yeah. or we're just left feeling uncertain, you kind of have to look at the marketing and say, well, was that a blunder? If people are sitting and saying, what the hell was that? That's not what you want. You want to have people sitting there and have their interest be piqued and say, ooh, what is that about? He came There's up a... with the strand system, right? And that took uh -huh. a little while to explain. I feel like he's going to do something really weird and it's going to somehow tie in the real world using these cloud servers, current events. And maybe the uh -huh. game is something that just constantly is being molded by things that are actually happening in real life. And maybe it can break the fourth wall where it sends you a text message or something. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. If she's using like, the cloud to, let's say in the game, it's raining because it used cloud information based on your location where that was the weather. And that is now the weather in the game. That could be a really cool thing. And Kojima has made a game in the past that used your environment to the character's advantage. And it's a little known title known as Baktai, The Sun is in Your Hands, where the Game Boy cartridge had a min miniature solar panel and you would go out and play during the daylight hours to build up solar energy to use in your pistol to defeat vampires. I'm, fi I'm so, picturing something weird like that, yes. Maybe not going yeah. outside with your Xbox, but something that would <laughs> tie the real world into mm -hmm. that. So I, I he's going he's gonna to do something strange. I already know it. And uh, I am fascinated to hear about how he attempts to take over the world with Azure. So, Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You're really giving him just free reign to do anything that he wants. And it could either turn into a high-quality product that revolutionizes gaming in a significant way, or it's going to be a product that we all sit there and say, I don't know what that just was. And I mean, you go back to Death Stranding and how much conversation was around, is he trolling us? Is this really what the game is going to be about? Or are we getting a Metal Gear Solid 2 tanker situation here where what we're seeing is just half the story? And then ultimately, it was exactly what he had yep. been showing us. Yep. But yeah, whatever this game is going to be, it definitely has people interest and everyone is anxious to see what the game will look like, how it's going to play, how we're going to interact with it. So that first trailer, when the day comes, is going to be of utmost importance to Microsoft, the marketing team, and even Kojima himself. You think it's going to be horror-themed kind of again? I would kind of, I hope it is, because I think Kojima can really do something well in that genre type. But, man, I'm also kind of scared of what he could do with you know, the power of the cloud, horror games, if it actually interacts with you directly in life. I mean, he attempted to send a message with like Death Stranding, you know, like the mm -hmm. like basically banding together and, and to reconnect. And then yep. with Death Stranding 2, he's saying, should we have reconnected in the first place? I don't necessarily think it's going to bleed <laughs> over into this project. I feel like this is a separate one. But he does like to do kind of that commentary on what he's observing in, in the mm -hmm. real world as this is happening. You go back and play through Metal Gear Solid 2 now, especially towards the end of that game with some of the plot points that are explained and stuff. It's uh, 
little little concerning how, how close he was hitting there with that. So <laughs> I, I I just I wonder if he has observed certain things. And the thing that I could I was kind of wondering because he would have the power like the cloud stuff that can basically keep up real time with stuff going on in the real world. If he's observed the reliance on not only technology but social media. And if he that plays could into be that. An, yeah, that could be an angle that he takes because that would fall into the kind of that horror genre AI computer taking over the world, mm -hmm. HAL, Space Odyssey type of vision. And Kojima could do something really grand in that type of, you know, in that genre. But one thing is for certain, the first trailer we get will be a masterpiece because Kojima has never made a terrible trailer or even... That's true. Game. That's a good point. And Microsoft is starting to tie AI in now. Oh, it's it's part of Windows, and it's uh, everything's connected. Kojima could mess everything up. They could do a I'm viral marketing it. campaign. Yeah, they could. Like they could. the Xbox could also have some weird stuff going on around it. You don't know what's oh, going on, and uh, and that, that leads cool. up to the reveal trailer. That would be cool. Like randomly, people just like they pick. Yeah. 200 people who they have data on that says that they have connected their Xbox account to Twitter and they just randomly put this weird icon on their screen and it just disappears and reappears at different points of the day and stuff. And they're like, I know it was there. I saw it. But whenever you hit the screenshot button, it's not there. And they just they just mess with people like it. That would be oh, that'd be interesting. I hope they do that. That'd be fun. I miss I miss that kind of stuff. We they you, used to you, he used to do that kind of stuff back in the day. It's too hard now. Yeah, it'd probably leak and everyone would know about it the second it hit. You want to go back to the days of like the Halo 3 I Love Bees campaign. <laughs> uh that'd be man, that'd be interesting if he would do that. People really want it to because they got to the point where they were trying to convince themselves that abandon was something else. And it was somehow attached to Kojima and like people, they really want to be oh, tricked God. without real, like while trying to figure it out. I don't know. It's, it's something that I feel like that, that is some was... nostalgia pull from back in the day that people still want to believe can be pulled off. Yeah. The abandoned thing was just like carnival of crazy. I know. But everyone was just forcing this connection, even though it was never there. And it all began because of the phantom pain and him having, the, that fake Swiss guy in the bandages. And it was like, oh, it's really just a dummy head. And Kojima was behind it the whole time. So everyone's expecting him to do that weird, wild twist. But you can't, you can only do it once. Because once unless you set you that have expectation, the power of the cloud. Well, that's, you know, that's a different, that's a different <laughs> tool this time. But hey, they, uh, hey, they have the ability to send out an alert to everyone's phone at once. He'll, he'll do something crazy. Yeah, that's that's the scary thing. It's what will Kojima do? Probably nothing as cool as we just speculated, but we can be hopeful. He'll start sending pizzas to your house at 1 a.m. Hey, as long as it doesn't come with pineapple, I'll be okay. It's all pineapple, not even salt. That's it's a true tower. Cheese. No, that's just going too far. Nate, I did want to ask you about something that's been trending more and more recently. Player counts through the roof. It appears that Cyberpunk has successfully completed its redemption arc because I am I, I'm quite impressed with the game now. I played some more of it just to go back to I mean I played through it. It's like forty some odd hours to beat it one playthrough back when it first came out on the PS5. It is 
quite a bit better. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they changed significant amounts of like plot points or how the game necessarily played in the original vision. They cleaned it up quite a bit. I, I will give them that with the new update 2.0, and they have eclipsed 25 million copies sold. People seem really, really happy about this game now. I've also been observing that. It Again, the player count's super high. Sales are, are driving up right now, and they also had the DLC that did pretty good in terms of reviews. But I can't remember, Nate, did you play this game when it came out? I did. I played it on the Xbox One VCR. Oh, no. It, it was a blurry mess. You played it on that. Dude, the, the people looked like mashed potatoes in that. They did. Yeah. It was probably a version of a oh. game that never should have came to market. Um, Even visuals aside, it wasn't a game that really clicked with me. I didn't enjoy the gameplay loop all that much. I could see where the game was trying to take things. It just never resonated with me. So now when I look back at it and see all the the positive perception the game is getting, the praise that the DLC expansion is getting, it did kind of interest me to re-download it and play it mm-hmm. on the Series X, especially with the next-gen patch available. I haven't done it yet, just due to the release schedule yeah. of the card. I'd recommend it, especially if your last memory was the Xbox One VCR. <laughs> uh, you have to at least download it on the Series X, because the patch is, the 2.0 patch is free. You just get it. And mm. uh, it's a significant upgrade over that VCR, I, I will tell you that. But, I, you know, I, I was looking at this, and I was trying to think... Is this the greatest redemption story in in video game history? I mean, it's probably up there in the top three. I don't know if it quite hits the level of Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, that's true. They basically redid the entire game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, I mean, even No Man's Sky, that was a big one. This was, I mean, this was, I'm trying to think of another game that got pulled from the PlayStation Store. Like, in this regard of, we're getting too many, Mm -hmm. they basically did because they're getting too many refund requests. At least Final (laughs) Fantasy, they just took the game down themselves. Like, yeah, we got it. We got some stuff we got to figure out. Sony pulled Cyberpunk. Yeah. They forcefully said, yeah, this isn't staying. Way too many refunds are happening in a quick turnaround time. So we're pulling the game. Eventually, it will go back up. It's definitely a redemption story. CD Projekt Red committed to it, and they they stuck to their word. They wanted to earn back the goodwill of the consumer base, and I think they have done that. So when their next project is announced and is shown, be it a Witcher game or whatever their next project is going to be, I still would approach it with a little bit of caution just due to how CD Pro- uh, Cyberpunk launched. And... If the next project comes to market and it is in a fantastic state, reviews high, performs well, and there are no glaring issues, I'd say that at that point we can look at CD Projekt Red and say, okay, you've earned back our trust. And that's what they're doing with Cyberpunk, is they're trying to win back your trust, and they're doing right by the customer. Just being able to do the free update on Cyberpunk, on the next-gen systems, is an act of good faith. The game was they like 10 know. bucks at one point, so yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. The game was so heavily discounted, they didn't try to go out there and say, well, let's re-release it on the next gen and charge you a full price again. It's No, game's out there. We have to fix it because we know we put out a shoddy project. And here we go. And now you have the expansion, which I've seen in some circles 
mentioned that maybe it's going to enter the game of the year conversation, which I I don't know if the DLC will, but you know what I think, you know what award I think that it should win actually at this point is the best ongoing game. Like the one that, Mm -hmm. that basically is like this game's been supported well throughout this year. I mean, this update basically turned the whole thing around at this point, and the game is uh, well above average, I think, in terms of quality. The game, if it had come out in this condition, which, by the way, this just tells me that this is when the game should have come out, is now. Uh, (laughs) They pushed it out years too early, which is crazy to think about. Three years too early. But if it had come out now in this condition, it immediately shoots to the top of the up there at like the game of the year conversation with Baldur's Gate and Zelda. I, I think wow. this would have been it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so it's they, they missed it by uh, three years. So I guess that, that would have been hard to communicate back in 2020 that they're delaying a game for three additional oh, years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it had already been in development forever. <laughs> I, I mean, they showed right. when was that first trailer like 2012 or something? Somewhere around then, it was. It felt as though a whole console generation went by. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Xbox One and PS4 generation was coming to an end, and we were still waiting for this game. And yeah, they ended up coming to that generation, and they probably shouldn't have come to that generation of consoles. But I mean, if they, it feels as though yeah, they are on that road to full-on redemption, and people are enjoying the game again. As said, the expansion is getting a lot of praise. So all you can do is applaud CD Projekt Red for sticking with it and doing right by the consumer base and the customers and such. And, you know, bravo to them. That's something that we need to see more studios do. If you release a shoddy project and you can fix it and you're willing to commit the time to it, do so. Because we see also a lot of games that come out and are just forgotten. <laughs> yeah, also don't release broken games early. <laughs> Delay them if necessary. Three years. Yeah, three. Wow. Three years. But hey, I've... you know what? The game is cheap. I think you can still find it pretty cheap. Definitely below what I paid for it when it came out. Um, but it's... Uh, well, the, actually, they sent me a code for one of the consoles and the other one I bought it on because they sent me the code after I bought it. So I have it on the Xbox Series. I think that's the one I think I got the code for. And then I bought it on the PlayStation 4 like the night it came mm. out. Yeah. So, uh, but it runs well on both. I, I downloaded and fired it up for like 10 minutes on the Xbox. Cause my original save files on the PS five. So, <laughs> but it runs well on both. Uh, definitely a cool experience. If you have not played it and you can get it cheap, go for it. Then see if you like it because the, the base game is like significant in terms of the content you get now. And then you can get the DLC if you want to try it out. So, uh, good stuff. Good stuff there. Uh, Nate, you played Forza? Yes. You played Forza. Good. I I played a, a bit of it, and I'll explain why when we get to that part. But you played it on the Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. We played, we, we did the preview for it, but playing off of that preview, what have your thoughts been on the the full game, I guess, at this point, as you've been able to play it? Because we were kind of walled off in a little sandbox almost of content at there in that preview. Uh, the single player, I would say, is it's fun, but it's mediocre in terms of offering. Okay. It's very it's just it's very sterile in terms of the main campaign and even when it tries to do the car rpg element 
there's just very little incentive behind it. Because when you think of car RPG, that would suggest that you have a great deal of customization options and control over how you're going to navigate through this journey with a car or your driving campaign, and you don't. It's all very structured where you go from one cup series to the next. And with these cup series, yes, there's progression with the type of cards you can use in it. But even as you're earning that experience from each successful race and you're going back to the car that you're using to complete that cup and you know, you're know you customizing it however you see fit, the way that you're earning these unlocks feels as though it's very structured. It's not as though you have control over it by gaining experience and saying, okay, I'm going to spend my experience to buy a new muffler. Instead, you unlock that muffler by default. So you don't really have a lot of freedom in that sense, but it's the gameplay itself that's very strong. The racing is phenomenal. I love how as I'm racing around the track, you do have those segment scores, which are between each turn. So between turn one and turn two, you will be graded and you get experience based on that. And these also help you really improve as a racer because you can look at your grade, which goes from one to 10. And when you decide to customize the game's difficulty, if you go to the highest difficulties, you have to nail every turn, probably to a grade of at least a nine, if not a 10, to really stand a chance against the higher AI. But if you're just going for that more casual experience and you have customized the options to something a little more, I guess, forgiving, you know, you're not going to be too concerned with that. You're just going for that experience and you're leveling up your car, you're unlocking, you know, engine, what have you. And then it's fine in that sense. It just becomes very, I don't want to say boring, but it just becomes very, again, sterile where you're just moving race to race. And part of this is kind of amplified by the very limited selection of courses that the game features right now. So you're going to a lot of the same circuits, even if there are slight deviations in the layout itself. It's just not all that engaging, just going from one cup to the next. Because there's no overall, there's no story or anything behind it. It's just your progression to win. And for some, that might be enough. Let me ask. Let me ask you this, Nate. The uh, the the car PG thing. Mm-hmm. I I I played a, a bit of this. Uh, I got a Steam key for it. Microsoft provided the Steam key as well as the Xbox key that that you used, and I started to realize something as I'm going through. You're gonna have to level up each car. Yes. To unlock. So, like, if you get a new car, and you really want to use it, and then you want to deck it out immediately, you kind of can't. You gotta. Mm-hmm. level up the car which i guess in that case is hey you get to you get to know your car but i was thinking am i am i going to want to get to know the car 40 or 50 hours into this game that i've been playing i know the tracks really well maybe right. i just want to deck the car out and take it on the road and 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 mm-hmm. like crush corners and stuff with it but instead i have to potentially spend hours that feels mm. kind of artificially in place almost it, it's uh I don't know the car PG thing. I like the idea of adding that element in because there's consistent feedback as you go through corners and the progression is like always in front of you. It feels like you're Mm -hmm. every corner. Okay. I'm doing something here. This makes sense. It's adding on. I kind of feel like it would be better if it's adding on to a global rank for your, your account, like a global. Yes. 
Yes, that would have been a better utilization of this concept because due to it being limited to just the car, it feels as though the journey is strictly whatever car you're using at that time. And if you had a global type of thing, it could be, okay, I'm in a higher ranking now. I'm going to buy a Mustang. And because I have all these perks available to me or all this cash or car points, I can now deck it out. As you said, I can buy this engine. I can get these rims. I can customize it in this way to really soup it up and make it competitive. Instead, it's just, here's the stock option, race through these, the series, and you're going to unlock stuff as you're doing it. And that's the problem is that everything is locked and you just progress through things in a very linear fashion. And I think it's fine for that casual type of experience, but if you're looking for something more in depth, the single player is just not going to give it to you here. I, I do want to comment on the graphics. It, it, these car games look really good. I see people who are comparing Forza and Gran Turismo. And of course, depending on what they're trying to prove, they take the right screenshot here or there. I'm to the point where these car games, they just look good. I, that's just, they all like, I think we've almost peaked when it comes to visuals in these, in these car games where it's getting harder and harder to tell how they can make it better. You know, what's interesting is the comparison that surprised me was drive club where they got the 60 frames down. Oh. People were posting footage and I'm like this, the weather effects in this look incredible. Like, and that's from 2014. So I just don't know. Maybe it's just me. Cause I'm getting old and I am becoming less and less sensitive to graphical differences and stuff like <laughs> i, I kind of feel like the the car genre i it, it's just as good as it's gonna get with minor details here and there getting added in i mean visually i think the game is very satisfying to the eye and since you brought up the weather i think the weather is one of the more impressive aspects the rain of effects, the game definitely yeah the rain effects are amazing i remember one of the races i was doing we began the first lap with a slight drizzle and by lap five or six it was a torrential downpour it was thunder and lightning going on and this was paired with the audio where you could hear that rain clapping against the windshield and you could just hear the intensity of the raindrops and i was like wow this went from this kind of a bright light drizzled summer day into just apocalyptical rain and it went very quick. It was just a couple of laps and all of a sudden it was in a whole different environment. And that's where the atmosphere that the weather effects give the game is really impressive. I was one of the sessions I remember doing a practice run. It was early in the morning, so there was haze and fog. And as I'm racing, it began to burn off. And all of a sudden the sun was just glaring off the concrete that it was almost blinding. But to go from that overcast type of day to a powerful sun over just a few laps of the race, it felt very natural. And I really like that feature here. So the reason I, I had played it on PC, as I said, through Steam, and I wanted to try this out on the Steam Deck. Unfortunately, the game is not compatible with the Steam Deck right now. And I did get a response from just Microsoft and Xbox, their team, and they confirm that it's not compatible. Basically, you try to launch the game and it just crashes on launch. And according to them, they are looking for feedback 
as in, do people want this thing to work on the Steam Deck? So I'm just relaying the message to anyone out there who is hoping to play this on their Steam Deck. <laughs> Microsoft just needs to see that people actually want it there. Uh, the fact that it's on Steam, to me, they should kind of expect that, but that's just sort of where we are with it now. They're looking to see reception and if that's something people are looking for because it's Forza and I know a lot of people are going to buy this and use some really cool racing wheels and that sort of thing, but I still think the market, with where we are at the Steam Deck with what, like three or four million of those things having shipped out, there's probably going to be a group of people who would like to play this on their Steam Deck. So if you want to, let Microsoft know. I will tell you though, uh, on a range of video cards, the 3080 Ti absolutely demolishes this game. It runs really, really well. I played at 1440p through G-Sync. Uh, like 130 frames the whole way. No problem, right? 100 some odd frames. On the 2070 Super, so I have another PC that has a more mid-range, lower mid-range card at this point. It uh, was holding like 70 to 80 frames at 1440p, and I did move it from high to medium settings, and I also flipped on DLSS for both of these, but the game looks really good on PC if you can max it. Like, this is a game that if you get a new video card or you get a new monitor and you want to show off how it looks, this is one of the games you want to fire up because it takes advantage of, all, like, all this stuff, and it looks really, really cool. So, it's, uh, at least on the PC side, it looks great. But that's Forza. It's out now, early access, out this <laughs> upcoming week on the 10th, where you can just download it on Game Pass. I will be interested in testing the multiplayer further once it is out for mass public consumption, because the mm -hmm. multiplayer of the game is really good. It It's a little unorthodox, because what it is, it's a scheduled series of events, and you qualify to compete in these races. So each event is held, I believe it's around every 30 minutes, but there can be multiple events. And I think there's about 15 minute intervals between those, but the multiplayer is really good. It also has a rival system where you can go on the courses and you compete against a series of ghosts, which you try to eclipse their time and you move up the leaderboards there. So I think the multiplayer is probably the game's strongest suit. It's not that the single player is bad either. There's a few, it's just very sterile in the car RPG just didn't feel as though it was fully delivered, but something that people should take note of when you're playing through the single player and you're in the required practice, mm -hmm. you can skip it. If you press the start button and you go to exit, it will say skip practice and you can say yes. So you don't have to do three laps of practice <laughs> and then race seven laps for the first circuit of a series and say, wow, I just spent half an hour on this first race. You can skip the practice. The game will advise you not to because you will miss out on experience, becoming familiar with the course, leveling up your car and such, but the option is available to you. It's just a little hidden in the menu system. Okay, fair enough. I did, I did want to ask you though, Nate, now that we have both Forza and Starfield out, do you think this this was the one-two punch Microsoft was looking for because obviously they positioned them just ahead of the holiday season. These two big games are coming out and it's going to show the the value of Game Pass with these big AAA games going in. Uh, the reception for Starfield was an interesting one. I, th I think now with on Metacritic, it's, I think it's down to like an 83 now. So it some reviews have been coming in that have kind of beaten it down a bit. 
Forza sitting around an 85 right now, which I believe puts it right in line with something like Forza 6. And Forza 5, I think, was lower than that. So it's right in where you'd expect for the track racing Forza game. Horizon seems to be the one that gets rated really, really high. But these two coming in, like that mid-80s, definitely had people talking. You think this is like what Microsoft was kind of envisioning going into the holiday, having these as like the one-two punch? I think it came out the other side within reason for them. Yeah, I think it gave the brand some forward momentum that they needed. It gave it energized the brand with two quality releases to conclude the year with. And, you know, Forza is going to have its audience. There's going to be people who commit to that single player and really enjoy what is there. And then they're going to pivot to the multiplayer. They're going to have their full racing wheel rig set up and they're going to dominate individuals like me in that mode. And that's a big release for them this year. And when you pair it with Starfield, it does feel as though it is a one-two punch of significance. These are major releases, regardless of what their Metacritics may have come in at, because it has gamers talking. It has the community engaged with the Xbox ecosystem, be it on the Xbox itself or even on Steam and PC. So it's good for Microsoft to have these games resonating with the audience. And even if you look at the review scores and such, you can you have to really look at the context of the reviews, but then move on to see how the community is engaging and talking about a game. Starfield's word of mouth, depending on the circles you look in, has been quite positive with people talking about the new game plus and such because they went through the main game. Maybe they were a little underwhelmed by it, but they kept hearing all this hype about the new game plus and they went back into it. And some are walking away with a completely different impression. So that's a curious thing. And I'm really curious how the new game plus conversation may influence the game's legacy not just in 2023 but going into 2024 and well beyond but for microsoft to have these two releases come out in september and then october it definitely sets them up in a strong way when it comes to moving game past this holiday and even the xbox hardware itself because you have these two major releases that cater to two different audiences but each one has been marketed quite heavily in recent weeks. I've seen Starfield every Sunday during football games and they make sure to have those review quotes of, you know, must play, transcendent, all of that. So Microsoft is able to now position Starfield with Forza in their holiday marketing and get people excited about their brand. So, I mean, this is really the first opportunity they've had this entire generation to come in with a little bit of confidence going into a holiday season. Yeah, I, I look at Starfield and obviously Microsoft is they're trying to put out games that keeps people on their platform engaged in their services. And in this instance, Starfield is the service for them and they're trying to keep people on board with it. And I, if I look at something like Steam, there's generally 70 to 80,000 people playing at any one time. And for a single player game like this, that's pretty impressive people compare it to Baldur's gate a lot but Baldur's gate's a multi you can play multiplayer with that uh it that just doesn't exist for starfield so to, to see something like that continue to have that kind of pull just on steam and then on xbox it's always at the top of the charts i feel like starfield is doing its job for microsoft right now and what they were looking for mm -hmm. and they'll probably put out a number like in the next month or so that's like 20 million players or something uh, i think at that point they they got what they were looking for and 
Apparently, there's going to be DLC next year. They're going to continue patching it. They'll have the cre- once the Creators Club stuff really starts hitting and people are designing their own planets. And I mean, that's going to be a game that's basically their next Skyrim. Like it'll just go on for forever, basically. So I think in that regard, the long game. It, it makes a lot of sense. I, I believe one analyst had kind of come to the conclusion that it's going to make about a billion dollars in its lifetime. And that being part of Game Pass as well, I, I feel like for Microsoft, they're they're good with that one. Forza is interesting. I, I feel like that's just a staple for Microsoft at this point. It's expected. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that's going to have the same kind of pull that Starfield does now just because it will be a game that people will play for a bit and then maybe go to the next thing or fall out of it somewhat. And like the hardcore audience will stick around. Starfield's the one though, that I think will actually hold people longer, which is interesting because it's not the, the multiplayer game. So it's, uh, I think combined, I feel like it did what it needed to do for the holidays. And then by next year, when they can start adding call of duty to their resume for the holiday season. uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, if this would have been, Forza or Starfield, Forza, then Call of Duty, like let's say the Activision Blizzard thing wrapped up at the beginning of this year or something, right? That would have been a, a pretty wild lineup to have that absolutely would have would have knocked expectations out of the park for them. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Starfield was the entree. And in a way, I think Forza is, I don't want to say it's the appetizer, it's kind of the dessert. It's a good thing that followed. It's the chaser. And as you said, you know, it's not the Starfield's not the multiplayer game, but Starfield is that game that is creating a lot of conversation. And as you know, Forza is that stable, but we've also had Forza Horizon games this generation. So people have kind of experienced that racing experience on the Xbox already, even though this is more of a simulation racer in comparison to the Horizon series. But because Horizon has more of that casual appeal, whereas Forza Motorsport is more for the simulation hardcore, you know, racing enthusiast. But combined, it's just a nice little one-two punch for the brand. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how each of the platforms perform until the end of the year and to see how Xbox hardware sales, see how they're impacted. Are we going to see a significant increase compared to last year? Or are we going to see... If they remain flat, Mm. that's going to be a conversation to have when the time comes. But then we also have to look at the percentage of Game Pass. Did we see an increase of Game Pass? They got to tell us. They got to tell. Here's the issue with this Game Pass situation, Nate. The numbers are about to be fudged big time because Game Pass Core is now part of the conversation. And that's just (laughs) Xbox Live Gold being added in. They're going to show up probably at the start of (laughs) next year. They're going to drop a... 60 to 70 million number on us for it and they're going to declare victory <laughs> like that like, did it with starfield it's like well no you just added the lot xbox live gold members in and then also added in sure some subscribers with starfield and forza but it's not like it had that <laughs> like four thousand percent jump or something crazy you know it's it or right. whatever it's not going to be how they're describing it necessarily so it's gonna be very hard to tell either way but for them and probably getting their bonuses that way, it's uh, it's a good loophole. <laughs> but consoles yeah. will be interesting. Console sales because Microsoft has said that's the best way to get people into the Game Pass setup is through a console. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we're gonna have to see those percentage increases in you know Europe and North America and 
let's say in October, November, and December, if we see a sizable increase, then we we can say, yeah, these two titles were exactly what Microsoft needed to get that shot in the arm and really get people to invest in their ecosystem. If it's flat year over year, I mean, that's a concerning conversation to have. Nate, did you get a chance to play Assassin's Creed? Yes, I played. You did? About four hours so wow. far. Wow. Okay, good, good. I, I didn't know if you'd have a chance to. This is this is good news. I am, uh, I have to double check my time, 13 and some change. So like 13 hours, like 20 something minutes in is what my save file thing says. So I've been, I've been playing it more than I thought I would this quickly. And, uh, you know, you go into this, I'm thinking old school Assassin's Creed. This is... This is very close to Assassin's Creed 1, is, is what I'll say. They really pushed for it. But this is... It's taking place in Baghdad. It's following uh, Basim, who is from the uh, Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Fortunately, I fell out of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. MVG, I'm sure, will tell me all about this character and stuff in the, the Spawn cast. <laughs> he's, he's disappeared a couple nights now. So I, I feel like he's lost in this game right now, but we'll... We'll find out on the, on the spawn cast. Um, however, <laughs> uh, what it, where are we right now with this game? Because, you know, the reviews came out and it was close to, I thought it would have been like an 80 or an 81. It was like a 77, I think right now on Metacritic. And what was weird to me, it was throwing me off a little bit. Some of the reviews were comparing it directly to like Odyssey and Origin and Valhalla, even though they were trying to reenact almost the formula from the first, maybe like the first two Assassin's Creed, I could say, looking back mm -hmm. at it. And when I go into this game with those expectations at the $50 price point, I'm actually not that disappointed. I, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm playing right now. Yeah, I mean, what I've played so far in those first few hours has definitely been enjoyable. One of my nitpicks is I want to skip that opening film that they make you go through of every single assassin. Okay. Okay. Before the main menu comes up. I don't know why I have to sit through that 20 second sequence every single time I go to play the game, but the game itself. Yeah. It's very similar to Assassin's Creed one. Maybe, a, maybe a bit to Assassin's Creed two is, you know, there's jank. There's definitely the, jank in the game. Yes. <laughs> the combat system isn't the most refined combat you'll find in a third person action adventure game um i think the parry system could use a little bit of refinement it feels at least going from lies of p this one almost feels Are you talk about the window for when you when you pick so in yeah. combat you have uh your attacks your, your attack is like your right shoulder button and then mm -hmm. you have your parry which is your left shoulder button and you basically there are two different attacks that'll flash at you. One's like kind of this golden flash, and that's the one you can parry. The other one's red, and you just have to dodge out of the way from it. It's unblockable. And the the parry window is kind of sloppy. Almost. It's very odd. Like It feels like it's a really big parry window when it wants to be. <laughs> yeah, it's very inconsistent because I wait for the character to flash. I hit the parry, and he missed. And then I yeah. get hit. And then if I hit it sometimes too early, I parry. Yep. I uh, I have bo basically tried to do a lot of this in stealth, as I'm sure the game wants you to, but there have been times where I just break out and start annihilating everyone, just fighting. Like, I, I just start swinging <laughs> at everyone, and sometimes that's not my intention, because the assassination button is the same as the attack button, and I have run into a, a case where I accidentally 
hit somebody in the face with my sword when I was just trying to assassinate them. And then they alert the person next to him and it's a whole thing. <laughs> but when it comes together correctly with the assassinations, it's pretty sweet. Like it is pretty cool. You, you, it has the, the, the one button assassination. Whereas before I, again, these, I think Odyssey was the one I, I at least saw through to like the late game, but man, the fatigue sets in like these Ubisoft games tend to right. And, uh, you have to usually be like a certain level to get those kind of assassinations. And this one, you're just rolling through anyone. If you can sneak up on them, you you just you you shiv them and you move on. It's quick, right? It's how it used to be. And in that case, with the assassinations, I think the game is a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You can just you can feel like an assassin again, where you are a badass, certified trained assassin. There's just those odd moments of jank where it's either the game isn't responding to the way you know you're parrying or maybe you miss the input to do the assassination by half a second even though it's still shown on your screen there have been a few situations i've been in where the game definitely wants me to assassinate the people but i just can't or i'm walking down the street and even though my notoriety wasn't that high I'm being spotted by every single soldier patrolling the Baghdad. <laughs> and I'm kind of sitting, I'm like, come on, game, give me give me a slight reprieve from this, because this is kind of like overkill. I mean, I bumped into a character by mistake. Didn't pit pocket them or anything. I just bumped into them and they alerted the guards, and all of a sudden I was getting shot from the towers with arrows. Three guards were chasing me because I bumped into somebody. It, it almost felt as though it was a glitch at that sequence. But it's did you get okay so ubisoft sent the code for me they sent you one as well yes okay did you get the the prince of persia stuff to start with no oh really you should have it hold on you should have that in there did you get the deluxe edition or the standard oh maybe i have the deluxe edition right now they give mm. you okay so for anyone who gets the deluxe edition they give you the uh the prince of persia stuff you have the dagger that slows time and you also have the sword Wait, it's really your dagger cool. slows time. Yes, if you parry, it slows time, and then if you kill them with the sword, it regenerates your health. Yeah, I don't have that. Oh, it's cool, and it looks like it. Like when you're running around, because you also have like one of the charms. Sand comes off of it. It it's really really cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any of that. Oh man, I feel. I just bad have for the standard now. sword and dagger. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's actually a really cool <laughs> effect, and uh, it would have made me go, oh, you know what? I kind of want that deluxe deluxe edition because this is like the <laughs> the only thing we have from Prince of Persia right now. And they did it. They also give you the outfit. You have the entire prince's like gear and everything. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I didn't get any of that. So. Oh man. I'm missing out. Apparently, you yeah. got like easy mode going over there. It's, it's pretty cool. I just like the look of it, which you can also uh, change like the, the appearances to match up with the weapons you want to use and stuff. But yep. it, it's neat. It glows. You can upgrade it further. And the, the dagger is really cool. Uh, that That's something I, I did like from the Deluxe Edition. And if, uh, if you're on the fence about it, it does look really, really neat. The game, though, I can kind of tell it's going to be shorter, which I'm fine. Well, it's relative. I, I feel like this is a game you could spend 20 to 30 hours in, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I... Assassin's Creed really wants to be this 100-hour game for some reason. I just don't think it needs to be. I no. feel like this length right now for the game is fine. It You can see where you can spend more time with it because they give you these contracts that they 
they don't feel like they're very fleshed out in terms of story or unique events or anything. They have the tales from Baghdad, which one that's really funny that people have been passing around social media is when you jump off. Like, so you go to a, you go to a tower and a kid's stuck at the top. So in my mind, we're going to climb to the top and then we're going to help him down. Right. We're going to be like, okay, let me hold your hand. Let me get, let me help you down. Okay. Let's do that. You jump off of this thing, right? Like normal, you jump into the hay, like watch this, look how cool I am. And you slow time when you do it, you know, like uh, the whole pose, you get out and the kid's like, that was cool. He just goes, your turn. (laughs) And the kid, kid's like, what? what? He's like, yeah, just, just jump, just jump. It's cool. The kid jumps hits this hay bale super hard right and i thought they were going to do a swerve where the kid where the like they just they just broke their leg or, or something happened he just gets out and it, i'm like what happens if you just missed the haste i don't understand what if you just missed <laughs> it was such a weird thing and everyone's laughing on social media about it because it is ridiculous but yeah, that was the only one that stuck out to me one i showed up and the guy was like i i need to assassinate these two to get for like my hidden one trial and you just help them stab two guards, and that's the end of it. So I, you get stuff. You, you get you get materials basically to refine your gear. That's how the progression system works. You have a couple skill trees. You get skill points by completing missions or story parts. You don't actually level up your character, or get any kind of experience. So they've eliminated all that deep RPG stuff that people were kind of getting kind of kind of tired of. I'd say. I mean, it's. When Assassin's Creed Red gets revealed and it still has all that stuff, it's going to be exciting for Assassin's Creed fans. But you know what? It's fun to have these these side games. We don't need the 100-hour Assassin's Creed every single year, every other year. I think this is fun to have. Yeah, I like that. It's a nice, tight experience. It's not in a gigantic map. I think the city of Baghdad with the outer wilderness areas is plenty. It's enough to explore. It's enough diversity I mean, you have a camel or a horse if you want to speed up your navigation to certain locations. I think overall the package is quite refined. And if you are a fan of the older style Assassin's Creed games, there's a lot of fun and enjoyment to be had here. Now, if your introduction were these more recent Assassin's Creeds, I could see you going into Mirage and saying, man, this really feels as though it's it's a it's very downgrade shallow. over what we have been used to playing over the last few entries. And you may not be wrong in saying it, but I think this this is the direction I want Assassin's Creed to go in with these tighter 15 to 20 hour experiences that if you want to flesh out through side quests and such, you can get that 30 hour experience. But just give me a cohesive, well-tailored game and I'm all for it. I enjoy these nice 15 hour games that aren't lifelong commitments. So I'm enjoying my time with Mirage so far. I have done the first assassination mm-hmm. and you know i like the diversity of the locations i'm going in i like the approach to the missions and how some of them give you multiple options of how you can you know break and entering a prison or whatever the environment may be in question to achieve and complete a certain mission type i like how you can kind of recruit rebels and such to help your cause so the game is fleshed out and it has a lot of variety in how you can approach things. And, you know, overall, I think if you are a long-term and veteran Assassin's Creed fan, you will enjoy the journey that is offered here. I think it may just not quite resonate with those 
who are used to the Valhalla and Odyssey-style Assassin's Creed, because as you said, they may feel as though it's a little shallow in comparison, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Yeah, I think if if you like Origin, you like uh, well Origins, you like Odyssey, you like Valhalla, those are the Assassin's Creed games you know that's the formula you know, you're going to go into this and just be confused. If you have been around Assassin's Creed since the earlier days, like the Xbox 360 days, I would go pick this up because it, it might hit you with a wave of nostalgia of how it used to be back mm -hmm. then. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I'd leave that. Um, the story I don't really care much about, to be honest. I feel like I would if I had been more into Valhalla. That's one of the reasons I want to get MVG's take on it uh, during the spawn cast, just to see where he is with, with all of that. He might be done the game by then. He's I, I honestly think he's just like completely <laughs> lost in this game right now. So it's uh, it'll be fun to see what he what he thinks about it. So, but that is that is our show tonight for direct Xbox tonight, today, whenever you listen to it, we, uh, we end up having to record later on at night, as you can kind of hear Nate's crickets right now in the background. It's for ambiance. Is it? Is it? Yes. <laughs> well, we, uh, we, we stay up late sometimes to, to do the podcast and, uh, we're getting closer to that two hour mark actually. And I think we'll get there. Direct Xbox is, is coming up. I think we'll get there. So <laughs> It's uh, it was fun though. I like the layout here too. Back on camera with it, uh, having some fun stuff, putting up different videos and graphics and images. I, I think this is the, I think this is the move forward. But you got to let us know in the comments if this is the for like a format you kind of like here with all this, because uh, I'd have to continue the membership and stuff with them. But I, I think, uh, I think this is the move. So, uh, anything else you want to add, Nate? Uh, no, I mean. You're a big fan of Forza, Forza Motorsport next week, Game Pass. Dive into that multiplayer. There's a lot of fun to be had there. Single player is still enjoyable due to strong gameplay. It's just not a great progression system. Assassin's Creed, older style fan of the series, fantastic experience to be had there as well. And, you know, we're going to have a lot more Xbox stuff coming up in the near future as the CMA and the Activision deals seemingly mm -hmm. will come to a close very soon. So that will be a topic in the next episode but everyone who supports us on patreon thank you for the support you allow us to change the format and you got to see this new layout due to your support so thank you it's definitely due to the support i will say that it's uh yeah they uh they the, this this service makes their presence known i will say that but it's uh <laughs> it's it's worth it i think i think it is i think it is so this might this is gonna be the i think the format going forward uh, you know we might have to do an entire episode if there is a massive content drop just for the channel like like a uh kind of a, a, a spin-off video where we just go through all the games that they add and like point out some of the fun ones like a prototype or, or something there <laughs> we might have to do that uh, it could be you... fun you and prototype. Hey. <laughs> that could be. I mean, we just go through the menu of ga Game Pass. If they add like an Activision Blizzard section, <laughs> here's 30 games they drop in. That's a Not lot sure. of stuff to look at. But I mean, many of those games we've played just because we're old. So it's yes. like, especially the stuff from back in the 360. They could go back to the original Xbox days. Who knows? So it's. Uh, they could. That's true. It, there you go. Mm -hmm. See? There you go. Our old mm -hmm. age will be at our advantage <laughs> so oh, but that is direct <laughs> xbox number six thanks everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time